This week on Podcast Royal, Harry and Meghan have officially been invited to the coronation while also being evicted from their UK home of Frogmore Cottage. Charles and Camilla announce the destinations of their first tour as king and queen, and William and Kate engage in some friendly competition. Plus, we have a British royal family crossover with another European royal family we love, all on episode 87 of Podcast Royal. Welcome back to Podcast Royal. How are you, Rachel? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, We've got a lot of warm weather over here right now, but I know we've got some rain coming in later this week. I know the weather feels so good outside. I just was sitting outside a little bit before I came in the house to record with you and it's beautiful out. It's one of my favorite times of the year is when it turns from winter into spring. And in the South, we don't have really severe winters like the winters I grew up with in Kansas, for example, but it is so nice when that weather gets crisp and spring and just the pool, my pool, I have a pool and it's open year round. And obviously you can't swim in it for the winter months, but I think I'm about to start swimming again, which is my favorite way to exercise. So you're going to have to come over and uh, either lay out or swim or just enjoy that with me because it's open all the time. Yes, definitely. It is that weird time of year though, where I don't know if you deal with this, but I struggle between, you know, it's like 80 degrees during the day and then it'll get down to the forties or fifties at night. And my regulating the temperature in my house is always (laughs) a struggle. I'm either hot or cold. Yes. I have been like for the past few weeks, I've been heat on at night. AC on the AC is on right now and then I'll turn it all off and then I'll do it all again. It's just like one big loop-de-loop down my thermostat up and down the thermostat. So I completely feel that, but it is about to be spring. Spring is one of my favorite times of the year. It goes neck and neck with fall for my favorite season. But as we get into today's episode, I would like to start us off on a happy note. I love five-star reviews. I love solid, just kind reviews from you listeners. It makes me so happy. I know it makes you happy too, Jessica. And I want to read this very kind review from MB Andrews 17. I don't know if MB Andrews is a woman or a man, but MB Andrews 17 says, listening to podcast Royal is like having a great dinner with friends. Jessica and Rachel are smart, witty, and observant. Very kind of you. Um, They include news about royalty from several countries, reviews on great royal fashion, interview terrific guests, suggest books that are interesting and fun all at once. And they remind us that although royal, these families are families and people first and foremost. This podcast is my not guilty pleasure. I listen to lots of financial news, personal development podcasts, but this one is my must have for all things enjoyable. Five stars because they always create a wonderful show. See that right there makes a girl's day. Like I so appreciate that. Thank you. MB Andrews 17. Yes. Thank you so much. What a great review. That was really kind. Um, Before we jump into Royal Rundown, I want to share something. So we used to do this kind of, what are you into every week? And we would talk Mm -hmm. about what was, what you're into. We haven't done it in a while, but I want to share one thing I came across on Instagram this week. So listeners probably know, I have talked in the past about of course I love food, but I also like making healthy food taste good. And, um, I went gluten-free a few years ago. So I'm always on the hunt for 
something to satisfy my sweet tooth that I feel like isn't too unhealthy either. And I came across something this week that reminded me of the Royals uh, and also fell into this category. So there is an Instagrammer. Um, I think, goodness, what is her name? It's Nadia. Is it Nadia's Kitchen? Um, hang on, I'll tell you. Yeah, the difference between you loving food is you love healthy food, gluten-free food, and me loving food, I love like Taco Bell and uh, <laughs> chips and guac and all the bad things. So we we love food very different ways, but we both love food. Well, you might like this. So, okay, it's Nadia's Healthy Kitchen. She is a UK recipe creator, and she has put together a recipe for the famous chocolate biscuit cake, which we've talked about on the podcast before. I know Queen Elizabeth really liked this, and it's Prince William's favorite cake. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he even had it as his groom's cake at his wedding, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, you're right. Traditionally, you know, it's the digestive biscuits that they look like for Americans, like little cookies, and they've got chocolate on one side. Um, And you layer them in a pan and basically cover them with chocolate and it hardens and you cut it like a cake. Um, I have never had one. It looks great. But like I said, you know, I'm gluten free. And so um, she put out a recipe with a healthier version and the ingredients are just cacao butter dark chocolate, almond butter, coconut sugar, cacao powder, and digestive biscuits, which you can sub gluten-free. What is Um, a digestive biscuit? Aren't all biscuits? So um, it's a British thing. It's like, um, it's, it's like a cookie essentially, um, like a wheat cookie and one side has chocolate on it and you eat them, I guess like after dinner, I, I love them or, well, I used to love them, especially when I was, when I was younger, but I got into a habit of buying them at the grocery store for a while too, several years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a, I guess a British, a British thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but apparently they make gluten-free ones. So I'll see if I can find some. And if I can, I actually might try to make this recipe because I've been really curious what a chocolate biscuit cake looks like or or tastes Mm -hmm. like. And I love chocolate. So anyway, for listeners who want to check that out, um, it's Nadia's healthy kitchen on Instagram and she has lots of really good looking recipes. Awesome. I still want to make the biscuit cake too. And then I can't even remember what it was, but it was the official platinum. Oh, it's the platinum Jubilee pudding. I would like to make that as well. Yeah. <laughs> and I never did. It was very pretty. I, mine won't be that pretty, but hopefully it will be edible, but that is uh, maybe something that we can make a goal this spring. I don't know, maybe for the coronation and we still yes. don't we're going to do for the coronation. We'll figure that out. We've got a couple of months, but let's move into the Royal rundown. So let's lead with probably the biggest news story of the week. So first off, it's been confirmed that Meg, Harry, Meg, I don't even know what I just said, but it was Maggie or it was a portmanteau of Harry and Megan. Harry and Megan have been invited to the coronation. They were invited via email, which I find interesting. I wonder if the print invitation comes later. I don't know, but you can take that how you will. Whether they will attend is still anyone's guess, but the invitation came on the heels of news that on January 11th, even though it happened on January 11th, we just found out about it last week, eviction papers were served by King Charles to Harry and Meghan to vacate their UK home, which is Frogmore Cottage. That was a wedding gift, if you'll remember listeners from Her Late Majesty to the couple back in 2018, which was the year they were married. 
because they did extensive renovations to the five bedroom property, the Sussexes actually only lived in Frogmore for about six months before they relocated to Canada in early 2020. And then of course the US. So subsequently after they moved out, Princess Eugenie lived there. I've actually heard that she's back there, but I don't know how that's possible because I thought they were in Portugal. But anyway, now the Royal Household Musical Chairs, as I'm calling it, has Harry and Meghan leaving Frogmore Cottage at the direction of Charles to make room for Andrew to move in. So Andrew is actually said to not want to move into Frogmore. He has no desire to leave his beloved Royal Lodge, which is where he has lived for 20 years. And Frogmore is smaller than Royal Lodge. He has no desire to leave, but this is apparently all coming from Charles's directive. So in a weird twist, Charles is rumored to be offering Andrew's old suite of rooms at Buckingham Palace to Harry and Meghan as a bit of a consolation, if you will. I'm telling you, this is royal household musical chairs, but Charles and Camilla don't even live at Buckingham Palace right now, and they may never will. I've reported a story on that before because Buckingham Palace is undergoing extensive renovations, and those renovations will possibly be in the in play until roughly 2027 so another four years they Charles and Camilla have stayed at their home at Clarence house which is their longtime home before September 8th and before Charles's reign began and they do still undertake engagements from Buckingham Palace of course we've seen them do that on a number of occasions but they don't live there so you know I don't know Frogmore's out in Windsor Buckingham Palace of course is in London so even though we are just now finding out about this, Harry and Meghan were served the eviction notice on January 11th. Spare, Harry's memoir, of course, as a few listeners who don't know that, came out January 10th. Coincidence? Probably not. Charles is said to have been infuriated in particular with how Harry portrayed Camilla in Spare and subsequent interviews to promote the book, and that originally... Harry and Meghan were asked to vacate Frogmore by April, which is next month, of course, and quickly approaching, but are now being allowed to stay at Frogmore through early summer and the coronation, should they choose to attend. So what I mean, it's been every time I swear every time I think, okay, well, we're going to hit a lull before the coronation. Surely there will be no more drama. We're going to hit a pause on the drama. It never ends. And so (laughs) Do you think that this will add another nail in the coffin, pushing the Sussexes not to attend the coronation? Um, I mean, now they're going to be allowed to stay there through the early summer, but as it was originally presented, they weren't even going to have a place to stay for the coronation. And so I'm just wondering what you think about all of this. Yeah, you know, I think this gesture by King Charles to Victoria and Meghan is a huge indication that he and Prince William are a united front at this point, and they are not afraid of Harry and Meghan. You know, I think at this point, so much has been said from the Sussexes, you know, accusations toward the royals that we know they can't refute all sorts of comments that would seemingly damage anyone's reputation. And I really think we've gotten to where the royal family realizes that, you know, they can't really control what Harry and Meghan say or what they do. They're going to do what they want, regardless of, you know, how much Charles plays into their demands or, um, you know, whether or not he decides to push back. And I think they've really had enough with, 
you know, the tough comments. And I think that they've decided that, you know, they're going to just move forward with what they feel like is, is the best plan of action. And honestly, you know, the public knows that the Royals can't really respond. And I think they've got some sympathy there for, for Charles and William and the family. Um, I think people are kind of, you know, honestly, I think, like I said before, I think people are just exhausted with the back and forth of the drama. And I don't think it's really having, I don't, I don't know what, what Harry and Meghan were wanting to come out of all of that, but I don't feel like the people, the public in general are as critical of the Royal family as you might would have thought they would be right. That, that's what mm-hmm. it seems like right now. Um, I'm not surprised Charles extended an invitation to them for the coronation. And I do think giving them through the summer to stay at Frogmore was probably um, a kind gesture on his part, knowing that if they decide to come, they'll still be able to stay there another time. But, you know, look, he is in this position. It's a really tough position, right? He is has his son who he's always going to love and he's always going to be there for him. And I think he's always going to leave a door open for Harry to, you know, come in and feel included as part of the family. But he also has other family that he's got to protect and take care of, you know, make sure that they're not, um, I don't know, like feel like they're being attacked or, or whatever. And and then he's got this duty to the monarchy as well um, to, to protect that. And I think, you know, it, it's a tough balance between all of those responsibilities and roles. And, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing him do is, you know, he's making these moves as a King, but also trying to accommodate as a dad. Um, and I think that's a really tough spot to be in. Um, so regarding Frogmore and Royal Lodge and all of the musical chairs, as you described it, I'm trying to think of the Royal residences, not as private homes, but really as properties that individuals can be granted access to, to live in for a period of time, right? So Frogmore is owned by the crown. It was never officially owned by Harry and Meghan. Same with Royal Lodge. You know, Andrew has leased that property. He doesn't own it privately. So the way I'm seeing it is Charles has this responsibility to steward assets of the crown and manage these properties in a way that really preserves them well and serves the individuals who, you know, may be working for the crown or serving in some way who are granted living rights for whatever reason. So if you have two people like Harry and Meghan who have essentially abandoned a property, you know, maybe they stay there for a couple of weeks a year, but otherwise it's sitting empty. It doesn't really make sense to keep it that way. We, I mean, we know, you know, as well as I do that if you leave a house sitting vacant, it falls into disrepair really quickly, which Mm -hmm. is really expensive. And it's not a great way to protect, you know, a historic property. And so I think, you know, people have to occupy a space, whether it's as a home whether it's an office, whether it's a museum or an event venue, however they choose to use these properties, people have to be there regularly for it to be well-maintained. I mean, does that make sense? Do you agree with me on that? Yeah, of course. And I think, you know, when they originally left the UK in early 2020, they expected to be back in the UK much more often. They expected to, you know, have Frogmore continue to be their UK home base. But then everything has ramped up with familial rifts and there's just really not a lot of reason. Like they're not coming to have, for example, unfortunately, play dates with William and Kate's kids. You know, I mean, that's not happening. And 
Um, so they've really only come back a handful of times for the Platinum Jubilee, of course, for um, the tour they were on and then that turned into the Queen's funeral. And so, yeah, I mean, of course it makes sense. It's just sitting there. And at the moment, no one's living there at all, except if Eugenie's back. But I don't, again, I don't think that makes sense because I think she and Jack are in Portugal, but yeah. I've heard reports of that. But yeah, it's, for the most part, it just sits there. And well, right, it's just not good for a home to just I think it, you know, it, it makes sense to me that if Harry and Meghan aren't going to live there full time, you know, for Charles to terminate their lease, move in someone like Andrew, who certainly doesn't need a 30 room home like Royal Lodge. I mean, that's huge. He's probably not able to maintain that as well. Um, and, and Royal Lodge is falling apart and is in need well, of repairs as well. See, and that's a great example of, of it not being cared for for. And, and Charles is probably aware of that and wants to step in. And I don't know what the plans will be for Royal Lodge. Um, you know, I don't know what his arrangement will be, but to me, it makes sense. You know, I think, I think he's kindly offered Harry and Meghan a place to stay at the palace, which I would imagine would be pretty ideal for short stays. You know, they can come in, they can have their meals prepared by staff, no maintenance or upkeep on their part. You know, I'm sure they've got staff, um, housekeepers there who will clean up after them. They can literally drop in and out whenever they want. It's big enough. They'll have plenty of privacy when they're there. So, I mean, to me, that sounds like a really great arrangement. And, And those are my thoughts overall. I don't know. Do you have any specific thoughts on the Andrew Royal Lodge or moving to Frogmore. I just thought about Buckingham Palace and just how if I'm a Harry and Megan, I want them to like cleanse all the Andrew Juju out of that apartment, like get the <laughs> get the creepy out and all of his teddy bears or whatever. He had like a room for if you remember that story, like a room for his teddy bears, which is, you know, very bizarre. <laughs> yeah. But um I've heard, and I mean, I don't have any confirmation of this, obviously, but I've heard that William and Kate want Royal Lodge because they don't want to move into Windsor Castle. It's too big. It's too ostentatious. But Adelaide Cottage is is only four bedrooms. They have three children. And so they want something a little bit in between. This is just what I'm hearing. I haven't even written about this yet, but this is just what's kind of circulating So I think it, you know, if you look at it that way, that, you know, talking about who Charles is prioritizing, of course, you know, I mean, it makes sense that he's going to prioritize William and Kate and because William is the heir to the throne and, and not only that, but they're close, they work together in concordance all the time. And so this, it, it is a game of musical chairs because, you know, we're moving out of Royal Lodge that Royal Lodge before anybody moves back into Royal Lodge needs to be repaired. And so eventually I could see the Waleses, I always want to call them the Cambridges, but the Waleses moving in there, Andrew and Frogmore, which still keeps him in Windsor. And then, you know, Harry and Meghan, like you said, they're never there. So to, to be truly upset, I mean, I think if, if they're, if Harry and Meghan are upset over anything about the Frogmore eviction, it's going to be because it represents a gift from the queen and a home that they expected, Harry and Meghan expected to live in for a long time, the duration, but that's not how life worked out because when they moved in there in 2018, they never probably could have foreseen what would happen in early 2020. And so it's less about the house, right? It's more about what the house represents and how it's kind of the final nail in the coffin of the fact that they are no longer working members of the royal family. And 
So I hope that they don't see it as them being edged out. They're just never there. And so, you know, why not give the property even, even begrudgingly, Andrew, and I've heard by the way, that Eugenie and Beatrice are just appalled at this, probably on two fronts, probably for their dad, but also they're, you know, at least Eugenie is very close to Harry as well. So I don't know. I mean, I think I've heard that Harry and Megan are handling it. Okay. I mean, they have nothing to complain about really. They live in a $14 million mansion in California. So, and this is a grace and favor house. And, you know, these, these things happen. The monarch, the monarch changed and here we are, but it just sounds like there's a lot of really unhappy people, but you know, I will say this for Charles, he is displaying leadership and making the tough decisions. Now I can't, I can't get over if this is a coincidence, which I don't think it is, but if this is a coincidence, it's just the, the optics are so bad that he served the papers on January 11th. That, that to me looks like a retaliatory move. And well, you know, and that's why I made the comment about, you know, looking like he and William are sort of a a united front at this point and, and making these tough decisions. And, you know, I don't know, it could have been in the works up until then. It may not, it may not be, uh, how do you put this? Like a, a decision that was made, with feelings involved at all. It may be totally practical, but however it was made, I still feel like we're getting a lot of reports in the media of, you know, making it look like, oh, this is hurtful or, you know, whatever. And, Mm -hmm. and that's why I said, I don't think they really care how they're, how the, you know, story is going to be spun or how the media is going to make them look. Because at this point, it's like, we've, we've heard it all at this point, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody's in everybody's in Windsor. Well, I guess, well, I guess Harry and Megan are about to not be because I'm just thinking, okay, where does everybody live? So Charles and Camilla are at Clarence House, which is not in Windsor. That's in London. Um, you've got William and Kate out in Windsor at Adelaide Cottage. Harry and Megan moving from Frogmore to potentially Buckingham Palace. Who knows if that will actually happen? Um, Andrew, who I, I don't know if Fergie's gonna because Fergie and Andrew live together at Royal Lodge, which I've always found a little bit weird. Um, not many people live with their ex-husbands but um I mean Royal Lodge as you said is huge and so they could you know not run into each other you would one would one would think um ostensibly and then um of course uh Sophie and Edward and their kids are out at Bagshot Park and so I'm just kind of like in my mind thinking about where everybody lives and so I mean there's a lot of people in Windsor but um yeah, it's just interesting. And it is royal music, royal household musical chairs. And I, I am wondering, do you think that that because I'm first of all, I'm shocked that this if this happened on January 11th, this just came out last week. So the beginning of March. So that's six weeks that we didn't know about this. I'm, I'm shocked by that. And so I wonder if this will impact their decision either way to go to the coronation. Do you have any thoughts on that? You know, I'm still... I'm still sort of unsure about how this is going to play out and who's going to be there and who isn't going to be there. I wasn't surprised that they got an invitation. Um, I really thought that that would happen. Um, I do feel like there is a chance that we'll see them there given if they come, they'll still have access to Frogmore Mm -hmm. um, since they'll have it through the summer. But I don't know. I I still haven't, haven't decided on, you know, what we'll see there and what do you think? Do you think they'll make it? Well, I think that if the original plan stood and they were going to take it away in April, then I think that would have, you know, been a no from them. But, you know, maybe tempers have cooled since this happened January 11th. I mean, everything I'm reading is saying that Harry and Meghan are 
okay with this. I mean, you know, like I said, it's not so much about the house. It's more about what the house represents. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, and, and by the way, I'm still stuck on the fact that the, that they were invited via email and how the Sussex spokesperson found it important enough to mention that they were invited via email. I mean, I've never been invited to a coronation, but I would assume that it, I would, I don't know. I mean, certainly no one was getting email invites back in 1953, but, um, I mean, I'm just, I'm joking listeners before I say this, before you send me hate mail and say how dumb I am, but like, do, do you just send like an evite for the coordination? Like, do you send one of those like little minted? Well, like- remember <laughs> Charles is very environmentally conscious. So well, maybe that's he true. reduce his paper consumption. That's well, yeah, I mean, Hey, you're actually, I know, thank you. I think you're joking, but you're not wrong. And also like, you know, it just, did the Sussexes get the email just cause like, you know, I, again, I'm joking, no extra postage or like just for the, for the UK. To the US. I don't know, but I just find it very interesting that the Sussex spokesperson made mention specifically that it was emailed because they didn't have to mention that, but um, yeah, I don't, I just, I I'm stumped. I'm flummoxed and we're, you know, less than two months away now. And by the way, I don't even think we mentioned this on the last show, but well, I know we mentioned the Spice Girls. They're not performing. Elton John is not performing. Adele, Ed Sheeran, all no one is saying yes to King Charles. I don't know who, I've heard that Take That and Kylie Minogue are going to perform at this concert, but so many acts have turned him down. Harry Styles turned him down too. I mean, I've heard there's been like some scheduling conflicts and, you know, I I don't know, but I'll be curious to see who ends up performing. Um, I I don't know. I don't know. I was really, I was really rooting for the Spice Girls. Me too. I wanted the Spice Girls reunion so bad, but it's not going to happen apparently. So I don't know like how that happened if they pulled out at the, you know, I guess it's not the last minute because it's still March, but you know, they, if they, I don't know if they had it booked and they backtracked, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Going back to the Harry and Meghan thing, though, with the emails, I'm wondering if maybe they were contacted and it wasn't an official invitation, if maybe um, the offices were trying to arrange, you know, prior to sending out invitations, like, you know, some accommodations and and Mm. maybe that was some discussion that was going on. You know, it could have been could have been something like that, like, hey, an indication that we're planning to invite you and, you know, they just hadn't sent the official paper copy. I don't know. You actually might be onto something though. Maybe it's all going to be electronic because Charles is an environmentally (laughs) conscious guy. Maybe so. I mean, we all, we all do things online anyway, right? Yeah. I mean, I, all I ever get in in the mail anymore is bills. And even most of my bills these days are online. So anyway, but okay. Speaking of Harry, moving on from Frogmore, moving on from the coronation, he also appeared on a surprise follow-up visit with Stephen Colbert. He answered some rapid fire questions. So I kind of want to give you a little bit of a quiz on this, although it's going to be ruined if you've seen it. So um, have you seen it? I actually have seen it. Um, I do. um, Well, well, ask me your questions. So we'll, we'll go through it. Okay. Well, I found three questions to be, it was actually a pretty interesting questionnaire, but what do you think Harry said he wanted to be reincarnated as? Okay. So I do remember this. Um, and real quick for listeners, in case you didn't see it, he, like Rachel said, he was on Stephen Colbert. And I, before I answer, I want to say, I thought, I don't know if you picked up on this, but I thought it was a little awkward in parts. Did you? 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. It was like this weird balance of like, they were trying to be funny, but then, you know, they hit on like a few serious things for a couple seconds. Uh-huh. And then it also uh-huh. felt like Steven was like trying to make sure he didn't offend Harry, you know? And um, I don't know, there was like just a couple of awkward moments there. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad you picked up on that, but um, I don't know. I don't know if Stephen Colbert is always like that. I don't, I don't typically watch his show, so I'm not, mm-hmm. not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but Harry said that he would want to be an elephant and another animal question that he was asked that was my personal favorite was he had to pick which was better cats or dogs. And he answered correctly. He said dogs, (laughs) of course, I'm a big dog person. So thank you, Harry, for agreeing with me on that. (laughs) I'm like, so I would have said dogs, but then now my mom has two cats and I love them. And so I would be more split. I like both. But okay, second pop quiz question. What do you think Harry's favorite sandwich is? (laughs) Okay, I'm trying to remember what he called it. Was it a ham and cheese toasty? The cheese and ham toasty. But there's another detail to it. Did you get the, I mean, this is irrelevant to life, but did you get the what's on top (laughs) of the sandwich? No, what did he say? Okay, his exact response was his favorite sandwich is a cheese and ham toasty with Dijon mustard on top made That's in right. a toasty machine, whatever that That's means. Right. Like, I I get it. I know what so, it is. So in the U.S., we would either say a ham and cheese panini or a grilled <laughs> cheese with ham, maybe. Yeah. And as the French would call it, a croque monsieur. Perfect. Okay, I found this. I actually, you could, one could take this answer one of two ways. It could either be super creepy or super romantic. I'm going to err on the side of romantic, but what is Harry's favorite smell? So he did say his wife was his favorite smell. Yeah, I think he was getting um, a little romantic, a little sappy there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he was also asked what his least favorite smell was, and he really didn't give us an answer. He kind of joked and pointed at Stephen, but um, (laughs) – Never really answered, so I guess we'll have to keep guessing on that. And another answer, you'll 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but um, something I don't remember what the question was, but something that he needed to throw away, and he said ripped boxers, and then Stephen made some joke like fond memories or something yeah. like that. <laughs> and I thought that was funny. So, um, in addition to this random Colbert reappearance, Harry also hosted a virtual book event this past Saturday. So as ever, we were recording this on Tuesday. And so this would have been three days ago. He hosted a virtual book event to promote Spare, um, continuing to promote Spare, even though it is already the fastest selling nonfiction book of all time. I mean, guess that that's what you do. Just keep on promoting it. But, um, you know, New York Times bestseller list for six weeks or something like that. But um, the event was with trauma expert Gabor Matei. And it was this past Saturday where in the 90 minute chat, Harry disclosed that I'm just going to hit high level highlights of this. Um, He always felt different from the rest of the Royal family and that his mom, Diana also felt different from the rest of the Royal family. He gushed about Megan as he is uh, prone to do as all husbands should be prone to do that. Megan saved him from being stuck and that to combat the lack of physical affection he received as a child He's very affectionate with Archie and Lily and smothers them with love, but did make sure to say not to the point where they're like running away from him. (laughs) And uh, speaking of babies, some rare photos of Charles and Diana with baby William are being auctioned off, much like those letters of Diana's were recently. We talked about that a couple of times on the show. Actually, I think the auction was this past weekend, but I don't know what they sold for. So we'll follow Mm -hmm. up with that when we hear it. But there are 22 photos 
These are taken at Balmoral in September 1982, which would have made William three months old. And I've seen a couple of them and they're really beautiful and they're just very little seen. I don't think they've ever been seen before. Queen Elizabeth, obviously at Balmoral, which is one of her favorite places, ends up in the photos as well. So I just wondered if you had any thoughts on all of this personal memorabilia coming up for auction as of late, you know, things are coming out of the woodwork from Diana's letters were from the mid nineties. These photos are coming out from 1982. So any thoughts on why all this is hitting the auction block? Yeah, I, you know, I have not seen the photos and I didn't hear who it was that had the photos. Mm -hmm. Um, I think with Diana's letters, those felt really personal to me. Um, You know, I, I'm not sure about the photos, if they were some that someone took and, you know, they had had them for years and they had always owned them or how they came into ownership of the photos. But I felt like with Diana's letters, those should have been maybe offered to Prince William and Prince Harry and, um, you know, first. And then, you know, if if they were comfortable with having them auctioned, you know, I, I I think if William and Harry were okay with having that personal their personal letters from their mother auctioned off that could be a great way to raise money for a charity um or or something like that but um the photos I don't know I haven't seen them I, I don't know you know like I said who owned them or where they came from I'm sure William and Harry are used to having their pictures circulated all over the place so you know if they're going to be auctioned off for charity um for a good cause then you know, maybe now that I did not hear about because the letters were auctioned off and were going to some of Diana's favorite charities, but I, I don't know where the proceeds don't know about the photos are going. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? It must be kind of weird to have pictures of yourself auctioned off, huh? Yeah. And just, I, I mean, I feel like these are less like photos are less invasive than private letters, especially the letters were very personal about her divorce. I mean, like how she, thought Kensington Palace was bugged and you know how she wasn't able to spend Christmas with the boy I mean just very personal and so I don't know I just it all kind of feels a bit like a violation but um mm-hmm. it just kind of like I felt a little bit better about the letters because they were going to charity but not much it still felt like a violation and so I still feel like it was something that the family should have given their approval on yeah so I just I just think it's interesting that all of this is coming to light Yeah. Well, speaking of Prince William, we did see him this last week along with Catherine. So last Wednesday was St. David's Day, which is a Welsh holiday. And on Tuesday, we saw William and Catherine visit South Wales, where they stopped by a fitness center, um, and they greeted members of the public as well. And I I know our listeners saw this. (laughs) When they were at the fitness center, they participated in a group spin class. So they hopped on the bikes and they did this 45 second ride, like as fast as they could go. Um, And Catherine actually won, but I want to mention they did this fully clothed in their work (laughs) attire. So no gym clothes, Mm -hmm. William in a tie. Um, One of our listeners asked how in the world did Catherine do that in her heels? So, Mm -hmm. you know, she was on a spin bike wearing these black boots with heels and yes, a long skirt too, which seemed like a bit of a hazard in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And at one point she actually asked the instructor if she could up the resistance on the bike and make it harder. So, I mean, she's clearly she's no stranger boss. to spin. She's such a boss. Like, I mean, just the, she's an amazing woman. True. Like, even if she wasn't the princess of Wales, she's just a boss. <laughs> well, my theory on the heels is that, you know, it was only 45 seconds when you're riding in those pedals. I think a lot of time you're usually kind of leaning forward, putting your weight on the ball of your foot. So I think it makes it a little bit easier maybe than running full speed in heels. Although I will say the soles of those boots have to be way more stiff than like the sole of a tennis shoe. Mm-hmm. So I still, I feel like she was still probably in pain. She just kind of like gritted <laughs> her teeth and powered through it and tried to look okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I will say, okay, so she wins, she gets this tiny little gold trophy, which was really cute. Um, but I was laughing watching because William genuinely looked out of breath when he finished. And I'm thinking <laughs> like, well, you've got this tie around your neck and you're trying to breathe. <laughs> And everybody's watching you. Like, it's just, you know, it's a lot going on. (laughs) Okay. So while we're on this, can we also talk about this houndstooth trend right now? So Uh we saw Catherine recently at the Wales and England rugby game. You might remember in that red and white houndstooth coat. That was a rewear, by the way. She wore that when she was pregnant with Prince Louis. She was in Sweden, I think. Yes, it's a beautiful coat. I'm glad she brought it back. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also saw her back in, you know, December in Boston. She had that houndstooth pattern. I think it was a dress that she wore. I have to and insert then, this here and you guys are going to think I'm such a tryhard, but I was in the same room with her when she was wearing that. I'm sorry. I just still never going to be over that. But yes. So you I, remember better I remember I that very well. And then we saw her, you know, of course, this last week um, in Wales at the spin class and she had this long houndstooth skirt. And in case anyone missed it, Princess Eugenie was on an engagement recently and she wore a black and white houndstooth coat. So I'm like, you know, this is one of those classic patterns that never really goes out of style, but we definitely see it more prominently every now and then. And then it kind of, you know, dies down a little bit and then it comes back. So I think it is trending right now. Yeah, and I want to make mention of that red and white houndstooth coat, that rewear that she wore. Um, that is a total doppelganger look from a, a suit that um, Diana wore, Moschino, I think. Um, it's on the tip of my tongue, Moschino, from the early 1990s. And so it's just a throwback to Diana as well. But yeah, says says Jessica, the Alabama fan, who, you know, if for listeners that don't know, the University of Alabama, um, one of their, I guess, trends is they were they were houndstooth and I like houndstooth too um you know independent of Alabama football but I know you're well, an Alabama football fan I was not gonna say anything but now that you bring it up I mean I think that is a wink to the crimson tide if they're oh ever my was gosh they have there. completely unrelated <laughs> but, but you think okay. you want to so do you want to mention before we move on um while they were in Wales uh they did visit I don't, I don't know how to say this. Is it Brennowell Rehabilitation Bren- Center? Mm-hmm. So they discuss plans to use gardening as alternative therapy. And I thought this was really cool. So I just want to talk about it for a second. The rehab center is planning to use a vegetable garden to help those working on their mental health. And, um, you know, the whole premise is nature and outdoors is just a really great outlet for people, really all people, um, you know, just getting outside and, and being in nature. 
but William and Catherine are partnering to support this initiative. I think it's being led by an organization called Life at Number 27. I checked out their website um, and it says that they are a horticultural therapy and mental health counseling provider. Their tagline is, it's not what you grow, it's how you grow, Hmm. which I thought was really nice. And so William and Catherine plan to go back and visit the garden again. They're going to check in and see how it's going. Um, But I thought that was just a really cool sort of um, tangible effort that they're making there to support something that seems really important to them. That's awesome. Man, they've been doing the work, pedaling on bikes, gardening, all of it. (laughs) Well, I want to throw in a couple of quick notes here before we close the Royal Rundown with a rare but very cool Royal Rundown Royals Around the World crossover. But I want to throw this in here. The Crown season six, which is, of course, the show's final season is officially filming. I've seen some shots this week from set, and it makes me even more excited for the season to air. Although, of course, I'm not happy about it being the last season of the show. But um, this has teenage Harry, teenage William. There's a Kate Middleton character, so I'm very excited to see where it picks up and what all it delves into and how far and how far it goes, because we know that it's going to pick up in the summer of 1997, but we don't know how far it's going to take it, so we'll see. And Charles and Camilla have announced where they are going on their first tour as king and queen. They are headed to France and Germany. They will visit those two countries from March 26th to, Mar- to March 31st. And this is going to be a busy trip for them. They're expected to take part in between 25 to 30 engagements across those few days. Wow. That will be busy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So our next story is sort of a hybrid between the Royal Rundown and Royals Around the World. So Prince, the Prince and Princess of Wales hosted the Crown Prince and Princess of Norway at Windsor Castle last Thursday. So the Prince and Princess of Norway were originally scheduled to visit the UK last September, um, but of course that was postponed because of Queen Elizabeth's death. So they did finally meet last week. Um, I think they got together with some other business leaders and the topic of their conversation was the environment and green energy. And um, I think, you know, what they can do in the future to make improvements there. So mm-hmm. um, that was really all I saw about that visit. Um, yeah, that wasn't I think a whole it's lot. Cool. You know, two two major European royal families, and we don't we, we don't yeah. have to have a British royal family, another and and then another royal family crossover. So I love it when that happens. Rare, yeah, but I like it for sure. Well, that'll lead us right into our Royals Around the World segment. So we've got a couple of stories uh, going on from royal families outside of the UK. We have really big news this week, Rachel. So Mm -hmm. remember when we shared that Princess Madeline of Sweden, who currently lives in Florida, she was traveling to Sweden to be with her dad for his heart surgery back in February. Remember that story? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so she has announced that she and her husband and their three children are moving back to Sweden. So Mm -hmm. they have been in the U.S. for quite a while now. They've been in Florida, I think, for the past five years since 2018. Um, But they are they're going to move to Stockholm. Their kids are nine, seven and four. And I have to mention this. I have two really cute dogs. I follow Princess Madeline on Instagram Mm -hmm. and she posts their photos and they are so cute. One looks like, I don't know if it's some sort of doodle. 
but then she's also got a little Havanese. I think that she named Oreo. Um, really cute little dog. So before they lived in Florida, they actually lived in New York city. Um, princess Madeline was there for like eight years, I think. So they're definitely no strangers to the U S but they have decided to move back home to be with family. And they've said that they don't have any plans to leave Sweden once they return. So that is really exciting for them. Do you have any thoughts about that? Madeline's going to have an, an increased role in the family. I mean, you um, think so? I, I think so. I mean, I, I really do. I think, you know, obviously her siblings, Carl, Philip, and Victoria are very, very much involved. Madeline's been in the States for a long time. And I think, I you know, well, two reasons. I think the main reason probably is because, you know, when your father has major heart surgery, it puts a lot of things in perspective, I'm sure. And so she wants to be close to the family, but I, I, I hope, cause I love her. I mean, the Swedish Royal family is one of our favorites and Madeline is probably my favorite of the Swedish Royal family. So I'm excited to see what happens, but I'm, I'm happy she's going home. I think that's, I think that's really exciting for them. Yeah. And, you know, I don't really think that she's been in like an official working role for quite a while, but now that she'll be back, um, we may actually, you know, that's a good point. We may see her on some engagements. Um, so we'll keep an eye out to kind of see when that move takes place and what we see from them after that. But that's exciting. And, you know, I think it's really cool that they did spend some time in the U S I don't know if they ever, uh, you know, if they always had plans to return to Sweden or if they ever thought they would leave the U.S. But mm-hmm. um, like we said, they've got three kids. And I think having young kids is such a great um, it's such a great opportunity to take kids to go live in another country for a few years and experience a different culture, a different lifestyle. So, um, hey, we we are glad they got to spend some time in the U.S. and we <laughs> wish them the best going back to Sweden. Um so I've got one more story to touch on here. Um, speaking of royals having surgery, I did want to mention that the Queen of Denmark recently had back surgery. So listeners might remember we talked about her following Queen Elizabeth's death. She is 82. She is currently Europe's longest reigning head of state, and she is the only queen regnant, which I think that's how you say that. So that is a queen who is in a reigning position or, or is like a sovereign. So she's not a queen consort, which would be the wife of a reigning king. She is actually, you know, the reigning queen and she's the only current one right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. But she's cool. home from the hospital recovering. She did issue a statement thanking the hospital for really great treatment. I don't think we'll be seeing her working any engagements anytime soon. You know, back surgery is pretty, it's pretty big deal. Mm -hmm. And I think her rehabilitation will probably take quite a while, at at least several weeks, if not months. But we're really glad to hear that she's recovering and she's back home and everything went well. Absolutely. Any last thoughts before we close out, Rachel? I think that's, I think that's all we've got for today. I don't think so. I'm just thinking about, gosh, what will we talk about? You know, you never know. You kind of have an idea of maybe where things are going to go. And then you get like the Frogmore eviction that came out of nowhere. (laughs) So who knows? Maybe by two weeks from now, we'll have an answer to the, are they or aren't they? Probably not though, but we'll see what happens. But no, the good episode, good solid news episode. Great episode. Hope everybody has a great week and we'll chat with you soon. 
Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Podcast Royal. Email us at hellopodcastroyal at gmail.com. And please follow, rate, and review our podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into episode 87 of Podcast Royal. Bye. Bye. Thank you.